1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Castingacross.com, it is nearing its five-year anniversary. That's pretty exciting. That's a lot of content. Three content pieces a week for five years without fail. Some of them haven't been great, I'll be honest, but five years is still uh, pretty exciting, and uh, you are a major part of that. I mean, I do the writing, I do the talking, but you do the listening, and you do the reading, and so I appreciate that, and I appreciate when you let me know uh, what, what you think about what I say and what I write, so keep that coming, and those ratings and reviews on iTunes, those are also very, very helpful, but all right, enough small talk, got to get into it, because this week, there's a lot to talk about, even though I'm not doing a traditional episode, I'm not talking about one subject, I have a few mini subjects, and I should probably do this more often, because it's a little bit more fast-paced, and it touches on a few different things, and uh, hopefully has a, a broad appeal, but uh, in the last few days, as I've been thinking about what I want to talk about this week on the podcast, there's been a few subjects that didn't seem to warrant an entire 20-25 minute episode, but I thought would be worth at least talking about for a few minutes. So I actually have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six things. We'll see how many we get through, and the other ones will just stay in the hopper, and I will return to them whenever I see fit. But the first thing I want to talk about is, just bear with me, coronavirus, COVID-19. Not going to talk science, not going to talk politics. Well, I'm going to allude to politics, but only in a negative way, if it makes you feel any better. But coronavirus. So uh, politicians will say, don't let a good crisis go to waste. And oftentimes that is used in a um, divisive and uh, negative connotation. But I think there is a kernel of truth in that in the sense that when you go through something difficult, it is um, incumbent upon you. It is necessary to say, what did I learn from this situation? And I am a firm believer I, I, I will state this with, with all the credibility I have, that every difficult situation has something that you can learn from it. And I will state that even up to the point of the death of somebody very close to you. There's something that you can learn from that. Um, my, my, my life, my, my job, um, what I do depends on the reality that we can learn from difficult situations. So, all right, very, very heavy, but bringing it back to normal, the reality is the majority of us have not been affected unto death by the last six months, but we have had to ask a lot of difficult questions. So big picture, hopefully you've gained some perspective on a lot of different things, life, values, priorities, family, health, the fragility of uh, our daily existence, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Let's 
break it down into a very derivative sense, fly fishing. So hopefully fly fishing can kind of be a little microcosm of the bigger questions that you are asking and thinking about. So what have you been doing this last six months? Have you been fishing more? Have you been fishing less? I know I've been fishing less, but it has nothing to do with coronavirus. It has everything to do with my dumb foot being jacked up for the last uh, three and a half months now. But prior to that, while the weather was getting warmer, I was anticipating a summer full of fishing just because of the, the freedoms that have been afforded based on uh, the, the, our current climate of uh, things being unavailable to do other than being outdoors. So I've been outdoors a lot. It's just not been exactly the way I anticipated, but that's okay. And you could actually make the argument that this injury has granted me a lot of perspective uh, as I've been thinking about myself and my family and my priorities and, and my fishing. So have you been doing less fishing because of this? And what does that say? Um, what are your thoughts about fishing in the outdoors? Have you allowed fly fishing, fishing, hiking, kayaking, canoeing, camping, walking, trekking, bird watching, whatever? Have you allowed those good things, those good pursuits that you have to minister to your soul? Have you allowed those things to be a treatment for the peripheral maladies that have come from the pandemic? Have you allowed those things to do that? And as I've said before, I don't think fly fishing is capital T therapy. It's not. If you need capital T therapy, go get capital T therapy. I don't think fly fishing is capital M medication. If you need that, you need to go to a, a doctor who can actually prescribe that for you. However, in tandem with those things, or if your um, present presentation of your symptoms, for lack of a better term, isn't super severe, then getting outdoors can be very, very helpful. A great example just uh, sitting in front of uh, um, the computer for a long time today, doing a lot of different things, some some heavy conversations across my desk with some people um, uh, in, in different circumstances. And uh, I went outside to pick up a piece of trash I saw fluttering across the parking lot here where I work. And uh, I took the long way and I, I lingered a little bit, but it was good. It was excellent. It was nice. Just breathe fresh air. It's a beautiful, like 74 degree, partly cloudy day. And there's some truth and value to that. Back when I was, um, before I was in ministry, I was in uh, social work. And that was one of the things that I, if I could get people to take walks, even in an urban situation, but get outside and get fresh air, it did so much for them. And so that's something that you've seen and and, and outdoor companies, uh, even within fly fishing, have been marketing and pushing that. And that's fine. That's great. Good for them. If they want to sell their rod, their reel, their uh, jacket, their canoe, uh, their shoes by saying that getting outside will help you, I agree. Go for it. You don't need to buy their stuff, but getting outside will help. So have you allowed your passion for fly fishing or whatever other outdoor passions that you have, have you allowed those things to be some treatment in a very difficult time? Or have you allowed fear to get the best of you? Now, there's certainly things to be afraid of and things to have a fear of, but I would I would solidly put this coronavirus thing in the healthy fear. You don't want to do dumb stuff. You don't want to go lick doorknobs. You don't want to go, you know, downtown New York City, five months ago. I mean, those are healthy fears, but I don't need to be afraid to take my kids to the local stream. I don't need to be afraid to uh, go to the fly shop and, you know, take the proper precautions as I go in. I don't think you need to be afraid either. 
course, you know, if you have pre-existing conditions or you live in a, a place that's been hit especially hard, then then that is a totally different set of circumstances. But are you leaning too heavily into the fear? Or are you leaning into the wonder of creation and your enjoyment of it to be a respite and a little bit of a truly a, a recreation and a rest uh, during this difficult time? Where are you with that? Hey, if you have thoughts on that, if you want my take on your take, then shoot that over my way. That I'd love to, to, to have that conversation or, or the email back and forth. And uh, I mean, if, if what you have to say, I think could be helpful, I'll absolutely share it in an upcoming episode of the podcast with everybody. Matthew at castingacross.com is the best way to do that. All right. So first thing is that second thing is uh, I told you practical fishing thing. So this is, this is going to talk kind of theory and then morph into practical. Ready? It is fall. This is being recorded on the 17th of September in the year of our Lord, 2020. Um, it's fall. Go fishing. Go fishing now. Do you want a, a sad, sad story? All right. So I don't read the regulation book uh, cover to cover every year. Um, for my for my states, I buy uh, licenses for Maine or Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire, Virginia, Pennsylvania. I spend a lot of money on fishing licenses, but I don't get those because they don't give you the pretty full color books anymore. It's all online if you buy online. I tend not to read them. So I had assumed that this little brook trout stream that I absolutely love to fish, my favorite brook trout stream, and it's located in a place I will not tell you, but it is my favorite brook trout stream, and it's very close to my house. And in previous years, it closed at the end of September. They recently switched it to middle of September, and uh, I am two days past the middle of September. I missed out missed out on my chance to go fishing in this little stream in the fall. Um, it is what it is. I'm not going to poach. I'm not going to do anything illegal, but I missed out on an opportunity. And that reminds me of how I will feel a month from now if I miss out on other opportunities for other streams that are open and available for fly fishing today and next week and up until the end of September and up to the end of October. You don't know what you got till it's gone as uh, Cinderella, not the princess, but the band once sang. You don't know what you got till it's gone. And I remind myself of that every November when I feel like, you know what, there are some options, but I missed out on taking advantage of all those other options. So every mid to late fall, I try to remind myself and I'm reminding you to go get out. I know that football's on. I wrote this article last week and I talked about on the podcast about fly fishing or football. There's going to be a lot of football on a lot of really, really cold, rainy, snowy, nasty Saturdays and Sundays coming up. Lean into those days for your football fixes. Go fishing today. I implore you. I trust. I, I, I want you to do that. So Again, check the regulations uh, of where you, where you are. I mean, don't assume that just because you've been fishing there all summer, you can keep fishing there through the fall. Um, but there are a lot of places that the populations of trout are, are not spawning in the fall, and uh, the regulations allow you to fish in the fall. So go fishing um, and uh, make plans to fish. I mean, even when it's chilly, and I think I've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a podcast episode about um, how I dress for winter and late fall fly fishing. Uh, get out there. Make plans to do it. There's no... It's, it's silly to me. We kind of have our big uh, fishing trip plans, and we think about spring, summer. Fall is spectacular, and there's actually something very refreshing about taking a break kind of after we get back in the swing of things, especially if you have kids 
um, or you work in some sort of job that follows the seasonal flow where there's this natural summer lull, you know, you're getting back into it in September. Taking a little bit of a break, whether even if it's just a long weekend uh, in October, even if it's just getting away for a couple days in October or November, that is going to be very, very good for you after you know, six weeks of intensity following a summer of just craziness um, uh, as we, we've had these last few months. And it'll also give you a little bit of shot in the arm going into the holiday season. So make plans to go fishing today. Make plans to go fishing later this fall. So, okay, I said this is a transition from the theoretical um, and the conceptual to the practical. And I did want to talk about warm water fishing in the fall because it's still absolutely an option. Um, Water temperature matters a lot more than air temperature. And by and large, water temperature takes a lot longer to cool down than air temperature does. I've had some 30 high 30s weather here in the middle of the night uh, in in New England, Um, but it's still mostly temperatures in the high 60s and 70s throughout the day. And so the weather of the you know what you feel isn't necessarily translating one-to-one of the temperature of the water so what those fish are going to feel so i'm talking primarily warm water fish because their water is warmer so here's my my kind of tips for attacking attacking is a really severe for fly fishing but you know i mean getting after fish in warm water situations still into the fall i say go in the late afternoon in the evening because if the water has dipped in temperature and it does dip in temperature overnight um, because there's no sun and because the temperature gets cooler and that has to do with there not being sun i'm not a weatherman but i kind of get that concept so late afternoon and evening is the way to go especially if you're wanting to target the shallows because you're on foot or you um you, you know that's where, where you're confident fishing then allowing that uh, midday sun to warm up the shallows will get those fish coming out of the depths or out of the, the the deeper water and up towards the shallows where you have access to them so the morning times aren't going to be as productive under normal circumstances because the water is going to be cooler the fish aren't going to be uh, shallow um, so you have another great excuse to not have to wake up early and get out there this is a great time as is really all year for fishing after work and into the evening so even as the air begins to cool down you might say nothing's going to be biting that water is still going to be warmer from that day and from the temperature of the day so get after it and and don't feel like you are you're missing out on anything and I think Along those same lines, I say fish the sun. If there has been um, a half of a pond that has seen more sun exposure because the sun is lower in the horizon and there's half of the pond that's gotten shade, then fish the half of the pond that has gotten more sun. We don't often think about fishing the sun. I think I've talked about fishing the sun for um, fishing hatches and uh, things like that in trout streams, but in warm water situations, especially in the uh, fall and the springtime, you can make the same argument. And, And even in the winter for places where you have open water, Fishing the sun is a very, very productive uh, way to way to go after it because that stream, not stream bottom, but the, the lake bottom or the pond bottom will warm up and it will retain more heat than the side of the, the body of water that isn't getting that sun. And, and of course, any body of water isn't going to be one consistent temperature, um, bank to bank, top to bottom. So an easy way without breaking your thermometer out to find that warmer water in and, and you know, to, to know where you should target it is to 
fish the sun, fish that side of the pond that got more sun exposure, especially in the middle to later part of the day. And you're going to find um, bugs going that direction, and the little fish follow the bugs, and the big fish follow the little fish. So that is just a great way to kind of find some fish in a, a time of the year that could potentially be difficult. And I would say the last thing that I've found is helpful as I'm fishing late fall is to start slow. Don't feel like because you saw a couple of fish um, splashing, um, busting bait, things like that, that you can throw um, a, a topwater popper and just jerk it across there. I mean, watch the frogs. There's still frogs out this time of the year, but are they going crazy when they're swimming? Um, you know, watch the bait fish. They're not moving as fast because that water temperature is dropping, and because they're cold-blooded animals, they're going to be um, acting in a responsive way to their environment. So I say start off slowly. You can always um, go quicker and quicker until you you find the what the fish are doing. But more often than not, unless you have some fish that are acting very very aggressively, and you can you can key in on that quickly. I think that I've. I, I'm better off when I start out slowly, nice, slow strips, nice, slow retrieve, um, big twitches, you know, big jerks with, uh, with my, my line hand and my rod tip, but a slow retrieve that I then work up towards um, a more moderate retrieve or even a fast retrieve. But I like to start slow and work my way up as opposed to maybe in the middle of summer, um, you know, when, when the fishing's really hot to start fast and then slow down as needed. So just some thoughts to fishing warm water this time of year. And unlike trout fishing, unless you plan on fishing through the ice, which is a perfectly noble and fun pursuit, um, you know, you, you do have a finite amount of time to be chasing these fish with a fly rod. And uh, so definitely get after them. If you want to catch a few more bass, go for it. Um, unless you have, you know, an, an option where there's a, a warm water release, um, which is another thing to you know, this now's a good time to figure that out. This isn't this is on my notes, so we're probably gonna miss a couple things I plan on talking about, but now is a good time to get your bearings around warm water releases. So if you have a sewage plant or a power plant or um, some other sort of warm water discharge in a a um, body of water like a lake or a river, now is the time when it's not going to be cold and covered in ice for you to go and kind of scout that out and figure out access and figure out what the bottom is like, figuring out where you can wade, where you can't wade, um, how you can cast. And even if the fishing isn't, isn't particularly great in those spots right now, finding warm water releases in the fall is going to pay off big time in the winter time when there's ice everywhere but those spots and uh, you might have to be much more deliberate on your approach and how you're fishing them so uh, think about that uh, as you are uh, planning for fishing this winter all right i got four or five more topics just want to touch on one more thing and this is more of a kind of covering my rear end from a uh, an ethics standpoint so i talk about gear a lot i talk about stuff a lot and as I've said before, uh, fly fishing isn't about stuff, but it includes stuff. And if you have the means and you have the enjoyment from a nice reel or a nice pack or a nice rod or some good-looking flies, then as long as it's the responsible thing to do for your financial situation and you're not you know, being um, you know, just silly with your money, then go after it. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't think that people should preach that you need the best stuff, and I also don't think that people should preach that you. it doesn't matter what you have. It's kind of somewhere in that middle. And I think probably bell curve-wise, most people fall in that middle where people say, I'm going to buy what I can afford and use what works for me. So 
that being said, I, I can't say it enough. I'm going to touch on this next week with an article I'm going to write about some new tools that are coming out. Um, on that low end, it really does pay to spend a, f- a, little, a little bit more, like five bucks more for a pair of scissors or a pair of hemostats. Um, it really does pay. And that small money, that stuff you can afford, I mean, it, but just a, a thought I had, you know, this isn't the most important thing. I don't think it's the most important thing. Um, uh, dollars spent on gear does not translate into fish caught. However, there are some things where if you can afford two, three, four, five, ten dollars more on some things you're going to use a lot, you're going to really, really get a lot out of it. And so, something that was on my mind and made its way into my notes. This week on the website, castingacross.com, two articles. Uh, first one was called Fly Fishing Indoor Football. I think earlier in the podcast I said that this was last week. That's how fast things are going um, these days. Uh, we went from this real slow period of uh, pandemic, and uh, now things are ramping up. So I said I put this article out last week. I put this article out only three days ago. It's called Fall, Fly Fishing and or Football. And this is uh, something I've touched on uh, a few times uh, in the, over the course of the uh, the lifespan of castingacross.com. But uh, fall means fishing, and fall also means football. And there is still football, and whether you're a college fan, NFL fan, whether kind of the, the turn things have taken uh, socially has soured you on sports, whatever, if you still have a desire to watch football, there's a time to do it and a time not to do it. And I alluded to that earlier. You know, early fall, if if you're up in the air, go fishing instead of watching football. And then later in the season, especially if you live around like steelhead or around salmon, time your trips to the river around big games if you can afford to not watch it. You know, don't catch that um, MAC championship if you you don't care about any teams in the MAC. You know, um, but that's in January. So I mean, there's still good steelhead and salmon fishing in January in some places. But this is an example of something I talk about, and then some other uh, uh, fly fishing and uh, football related content in that article. And then my midweek article was called "Long Journeys Through Dark and Deep Places." Long journeys through dark and deep places. It's about saltwater fishing at night from the shore. So surf, uh, surf fishing with a fly rod. This is a different style of writing, and this is something where um, people have read it. I'm looking at the numbers right now, and there's a good amount of people have read it, but it's just a different style of writing. It's the kind of writing I don't usually do, but you know what? I thought I would give it a shot. It's a very sensory type of writing. Um, it's a little bit more artsy, so it's not my it's not my jam. It's not my usual style. Um, probably could use a lot of refining and critiquing and things like that, but I just thought it would be something different to do, and it might be something that resonates with you or somebody that you know um, who is into fishing or not into fishing. So I would encourage you to check that out. It's called Long Journeys Through Dark and Deep Places, and it's a really, really short read. It's probably one of my shorter articles in, in recent memory. This week's recommendation is actually how to listen to this podcast. Uh, which, I mean, if you're listening to it, you're already listening to it. But there's another way to listen to it now. Amazon uh, Music, um, which uh, you don't get with Prime. Uh, I guess actually you do get some of it with Prime. But uh, you don't get the full suite of it with Prime. You have to pay a few more bucks. But it's it's what I've chosen to do for my listening to music on my phone or on my computer or at home or whatever. I know there's a lot of other options out there. I've just chosen this one kind of arbitrarily, but they have podcasts now. That's what I'm getting to. They have podcasts now. So you can subscribe to the Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast through Amazon Music. 
So that's a new thing as of this week, which if you're already listening to me on whatever platform you're using, you don't need to change one bit. But uh, if you prefer to use Amazon Music, then you can do it that way also. Whatever is most convenient to you. Or if you know somebody who really listens to that all the time at their desk at work, whatever, then please uh, go ahead and recommend Casting Across Fly Fishing to them. And uh, then they can listen to me also. And you all can talk about what you disagree, why you think that uh, you shouldn't go fly fishing in the fall, or why you shouldn't spend money on gear, or maybe even more positive things than that. Um, I do inc- really appreciate all of the encouragement um, that I receive via email and a message and all the recommendations that uh, folks make. Um, everything from people mentioning me on their websites and on their podcasts um, to just the, uh, the back and forth on the stream. Uh, and I hear about that, and I am thankful, and I do appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast in iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.